Father, we thank you for we thank you for the family of God, for the blessings of brothers and sisters, of spiritual fathers and mothers. Uh, thank you for a long list of spiritual heroes that we can look back on who have gone before us in the faith and showed us that, yes, it is possible to follow Christ and to be faithful to the end. Uh, Father, thank you also for our earthly families and what we have to trace back through blood and long past years. Uh, and thank you for the way that you so intentionally placed us in the families that you did. Uh, would you show us that there is much for us to learn about ourselves through those who came before us? But as we pay attention to your word, would you show us most of all that the origins of our Savior, Jesus, his family tree, has everything to do for our redemption and our hope for the future. Would you help us to learn these things and so many more as we study together? Open your word to us, we pray in your mighty name. Amen. Family matters. Where you came from matters quite a bit for where you're going. Uh, kids, glad to have you with us in worship this morning. Uh, you might be familiar with a, a movie that came out a few years ago. It's about a, a girl who learns something about her family origin and figures out what she's supposed to do. Uh, she has this calling out to the sea. She can't understand why. She wants to go sail. And then she finds out she's from a long line of voyagers. And that little girl's name is Moana. And until she understands her family ancestry, she can't understand why she is called to go and sail. All of us are born into a family. Some of us have figured out how important that is. Uh, there's been a renewed interest in figuring out where you're from so you can figure out what's coming ahead for you. Uh, have you seen those DNA tests that have become popular? Ancestry.com, 23andMe. Uh, you give them a DNA sample and they are able to tell you what your ancestors were like. Sometimes they're able to match them up to historical records. Tell you you're related to someone right around the bend. Maybe your family came from a particular part of the world and maybe you had someone notable. Maybe even a drop of royal blood in there. People are very interested these days in where they came from. Uh, it turns out though, we're just catching up to something that used to be a given. Uh, people back in the day of the Bible understood that where you came from mattered a lot to where you were headed, that your family mattered. Uh, back in the first century, there were detailed records that were kept. You could go to the temple, and if you were a Jew, you could figure out exactly what family you were from to know if you were going to inherit property, or maybe who you might marry, or even if you were fit to an important office like a king or a priest. Your family matters quite a bit. And this morning, I hope that you'll learn something about that true for your own family tree. As you learn of the family tree of Jesus. Uh, kids, uh, it wasn't long ago, you had a gospel project lesson that said this, that Jesus had an earthly family. Jesus had a family tree. And this morning, I want to convince you of this, that Jesus had a family tree so he could save you and me. That's what we're going to see this morning through 
a long list of 78 names with a really important point for all of us, that Jesus had a family tree so he could save you and me. And then the last bit, and welcome, him, uh, welcome us into his family. Uh, now, since this is not a usual sort of text, I'm not going to move through it name by name, verse by verse. Uh, that would get old. Um, instead, we'll have two points that are more logical in the way they fit together. So the first one is the genealogy of Jesus. I'm going to try and convince you to be excited about genealogies, and this one in particular, in your Bible. And then the second one, Jesus, the son of Adam and the son of God. Jesus, son of Adam and the son of God. All right, let's begin that first one, the genealogy of Jesus. Now, your Bible has a lot of genealogies in it. By one count of one author I found that said there's 25 of them in some form in your Bible. So you will be greatly helped to understand what genealogies are and how to be able to read them. Uh, at their most basic, you can say genealogies are lists of names showing lineage or showing uh, in some way relationships between people down through generations. Some of them are along the lines of blood. Some of them are to establish things like the right to royal inheritance, like who should sit on the throne of Israel. Uh, there's lots of them in the Old Testament. That's where the majority of them are. There's two of them in the New Testament that both have to do with Jesus. One in Matthew, chapter 1, and this one in the Gospel of Luke. Now, genealogies are long lists of names, and if you, particularly if you put Matthew and Luke's genealogies next to each other, you, you might think to yourself, wait, wait a second. How can some, two people be claiming to have the same family tree listed out in front of me and have them be so very different. Uh, there's actually a, a good list of differences between them. Uh, Matthew's list is 40 odd names. Luke's list is 78. Uh, Matthew's list starts in the uh, past and moves forward to the present, and Luke's does the opposite. Starts in the present, moves backward to the past. Uh, Matthew's list only goes far, as far back as Abraham, uh, Luke goes all the way back to Adam. That's going to be very significant. We'll come back to that one. Uh, even some of the very specific details, you might think, well, surely they'll get this the same. Uh, there are differences in them. Like, who was Joseph's father? There are two different answers. Luke has one and Matthew has one. Which one is right? Well, if you take the time to dig into what genealogies are and how they're put together, you'll see that these th difficulties shouldn't be taken to mean that these lists are incorrect or somehow incompatible, but in fact that they are here for two different reasons. Uh, if you want to do some study on your own, if you have an ESV study Bible, there's a really good about a one-page summary on the various issues and ways to put them together. I'm just going to highlight for you the three major ways people have tried to put these two things alongside each other and explain how they fit. Uh, well, the first and most common is to say that Matthew is telling Jesus' lineage by way of Joseph, and Luke is doing it by way of Mary. And that would be a perfectly legitimate way to give genealogies if that were the case. Very plausible. Uh, the, the second would be 
to say that both of them are Joseph, only Joseph and Mary have a family tree that's maybe a little bit intertwined. Uh, it could be that Joseph and Mary have either uh, are kind of cousins to each other, or maybe through marriage, there is a connection between the two that allows you to trace through Joseph's line and take different paths along the way. That's another way of putting it together. I, I think the best way is to understand that Luke's purpose is to show Jesus' biological lineage. Because Luke is mainly worried about showing us that Jesus is a true human to be able to redeem humanity. And that Matthew, on the other hand, is more concerned at showing that Jesus is the king of Israel. And so it shows his family history for that purpose, to establish his right to the throne. Uh, again, there's a lot more detail. There's probably about eight different views if you really want to get technical of how to put it all together. But uh, I invite you to read the ESV Study Bible if you would like some more about those. Now, what, what we can say for certain about this list that Luke gives us is it's highly important, the people who are on the list. Uh, there's 78 odd names, and it is a mixed bag to say the least. Uh, some of them are really well-known heroes of the faith. You have Abraham, Isaac, you've got Jacob, Enoch, Noah, Adam. Uh, people who are listed in the great hall of faith as great heroes you are supposed to look up to who carried God's promises through this world and did great things in their walks of faith. Uh, there are also people that frankly are nobodies if they weren't on this list. Uh, about 40% of the names, not quite half, are what are called hapax legomenon. That means it's a word that shows up only once in your whole Bible. Uh, these are literally names that you will stumble to pronounce this one spot, and then you'll never have to worry about them again anywhere else you go. And yet, they're listed here, and they're here for a reason. Uh, we don't know anything more about these people, but they were significant in God's eyes, and they were part of the family tree of Jesus the man, the true heir of humanity. Now, I, I hope that you will take the time to to study genealogies in your own time. But this morning, I want to draw your attention to a few of the implications that we can have even at this first point. Jesus had a family tree. Jesus had grandparents and aunts and uncles and ancestors. Uh, Jesus had people he was related to that he heard stories about and looked up to as examples of how to live a faithful life. Uh, Jesus also had a mixed family tree. Some of those same heroes were people with very, very public sins. I'm sure Jesus had family members that may have seemed like rotten fruit that fell off the family tree. Jesus had the full orb of human experience when it came to families. And that's really helpful for you and I, because each and every one of us, in some way or the other, have earthly families also. And we know, need to know how to live faithfully in light of that. Uh, realize your family can be a great help or a great hurt in your life. Uh, those who are closest to you can either provide some of the greatest benefits in life or some of the deepest wounds. Uh, think of the help that you have received very likely in your family, uh, in your life through your family. 
Uh, certainly, most of us were sheltered and fed and clothed and brought up by those that we were related to by blood. We've had aunts and uncles uh, shower us with love and gifts. Maybe we've had grandparents that have come alongside us in a hobby or, or told us about family stories from generations long past. We find a, a sense of place, a sense of belonging, a sense of love in our earthly families. None of that's to be discounted. Uh, the Bible tells us that our families are a gift. And, and in fact, we have obligations toward those families. Even before we think about our obligations to other believers, we have to consider, am I meeting my obligations of blood? Is there someone in my family in need? I better be willing to step up and help. A family could be a, a great, great help. It could also be a great hurt. People that are close to us that disappoint us, uh, maybe people who don't live up to their family obligations, or, or maybe it's the absence of blood family in our life that we feel anytime this topic comes up. Family could be a great source of hurt in our lives. Uh, it's for that reason that we need to draw encouragement from the reality that even Jesus had this mixed bag of family himself. You should be thankful for those that have gone before you and have given you good examples. Uh, kids, I know sometimes it can be a little embarrassing to be excited about the family you came from. Uh, maybe you have an aunt or an uncle that likes to tell you stories of generations past in your family. Uh, let me suggest to you that's, that's not a small thing. Don't roll your eyes at them. Listen, uh, as I've gotten older, I've come to appreciate much more the stories of the generations that came before me in my family. And one day that's going to happen to you also. Uh, especially for the older members of your family. They won't be here forever. Enjoy the time you have with them and use that to the maximum. Uh, kids also realize that God is going to uh, hold you to account. And in a large part at this stage in your life, the, the main area where your walk with Christ is visible is in your family relationships. You know, the fifth commandment is about that, right? To honor your father and mother. That's a family relationship. Uh, God has given you parents and aunts and uncles and, and people around you to, to show you the way to live in this world, and if they're Christians, to show you what it means to follow Jesus. Realize that your family's a gift, not just a burden. Uh, now, to all of us who have families to one degree or the other, we do need to carefully consider how we're going to steward that. How are we going to love people when sometimes they're not easy to love? How are we going to meet our obligations when it feels like we don't have much left to give? Or how are we going to make the most of the good times we have together, knowing that they're as fleeting as they are? All of that is part of your Christian walk. Your family matters. I hope before God you'll consider carefully how to make the most of it. Now, on the other hand, let's realize that there's also a word to us about how difficult family can be. Um, whenever I do premarital counseling, I talk to the couples about the concept of family of origin. Um, whether you realize it or not, you are influenced by your family members, usually your immediate family, but, but even by those back down the line. Um, I had an experience once where I w went to a church function and 
someone came up to me and said, oh, you're a Johnston. I said, yes, I am. Like, well, I was a Johnston. That was my maiden name. And I have a book for you. And they gave me this book. I said, oh, wonderful. I took the book. And uh, about a month later, I came back. They saw me again. And they said, how have you read the book? I said, oh, I haven't read it yet. But thank you so much. I'm sure I'm going to learn so much about the Johnston family name. I'm sure it's wonderful. And they got this look on their face. And they said, ah, I'm not quite so sure you're going to get what you think you're going to get when you read the book. Now, the title of the book is The Gentle Johnstons, and gentle is in quotes. And uh, you might say those are scare quotes, uh, because it turns out the Johnstons were pretty gnarly people back in the day. Um, and it uh, turns out a lot of families are like that. If you go back far enough, you can find people with your same name doing things that you would not want to be associated with in the least. I know for some of us, you don't have to go back nearly as far. You can find that just one generation in the past. And all of us have to wrestle with this question. Are we destined to make the same mistakes of those who came before us? Now, the Bible tells us our, uh, teaches us that our families are important, but it never teaches us that our family are destiny in this way. And if you're a Christian... With the grace of God, with the help of Jesus, you don't have to commit the same mistakes in your family that your parents or your grandparents or your aunt or your uncles committed. Uh, that's a reason for prayer and asking God to help. But let's not fall into the sort of despair that some parts of the culture are falling into, telling us that our families are a sort of destiny for each of us. Your family's important. Families can be hard. That's why it's so important for the second half of the sermon. Because Jesus' family tree is here to show us that Jesus is able to save you and me. And this brings us to our second point. Jesus, the new and better Adam. Uh, this long list of names is here for a purpose. It's to establish Jesus had uh, an earthly family so that he is fit for something. There are hints of it in the way Luke wrote this. Let me point your attention to two points, both what comes before this genealogy and what comes at the very end. Uh, look with me at verse 22. Right before Luke gives us this long list of names, what does he record for us? Jesus being baptized and the voice from heaven saying, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Jesus is the beloved son. On that context, that's referring to the Messiah, the, the king of Israel. And yet there's another layer to it to come. Look now at the end of the genealogy. How does Luke end it? The son of Adam, the son of God. Jesus the Son is of the line of Adam, the Son of God. See what Luke's doing here? He is establishing that just as there was a first father, Adam, who all of us can trace our lineage back to, every one of us in the human race, Jesus is uh, the true heir of humanity. You might even say he is the new and better Adam. The one that's come to redeem fallen humanity. Now we need to go beyond this passage in order to see this teased out. But your Bible teaches a concept called federal headship. Uh, kids, think about this for a second. 
your life can change a lot based on the job your dad has. You live in a certain neighborhood, maybe you go to a certain school, maybe you have a certain house. Uh, imagine for a second if your dad got a different job and you were forced to move to a different state, live in a different house, go to a different school. Think how much your life would change all because of something that happened to your dad. That's a little bit of the concept of federal headship. That your fate is tied to the fate of someone who represents you. Uh, now in Israel, there's a long line of that through the kings. As the king goes, so goes the people. When Israel has a good king, then the, the nation flourishes. When Israel has an unfaithful king, well, everyone suffers. When the king wins a battle, everyone rejoices because it's their victory. When the king loses a battle, everyone laments because it's their defeat. Oh, the Bible connects this to Jesus, this idea of headship. It connects us to Jesus, and it also connects it to Adam, who came before Jesus. Uh, Romans chapter 5 is a really important passage for this. Romans 5, the, verse 12 onward really has this whole concept the whole way through, but verse 19 gets to it very succinctly. For as by the one man's disobedience, that's Adam, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Uh, you have federal headship running two ways if you're a Christian. Uh, one, you share with all humanity. You have the federal headship of your father, Adam. Uh, you see, Adam has given you a gift, a gift that none of us should want, but none of us can refuse to accept. Uh, he has passed down to all of his progeny, everyone that comes out of his family tree, uh, the gift of guilt, of sin, and of condemnation. When, when Adam rejected God's word and incurred God's wrath upon him, that wrath was extended to all that would come of his line. Uh, that means each of us are hopeless in this world, born into guilt and sin and condemnation because of our federal head, Adam. But there's another side to the coin. There's a second Adam that was sent. And this one was very different from the first, Jesus. Uh, a Jesus, as we'll see next week, he resists temptation when Adam gave into it. Uh, Jesus fulfills every one of the Father's commands, uh, the law in its entirety. Uh, Jesus lives the perfect life and has a perfect life to give us on credit a righteousness to wear that's alien, given as a gift of grace. Whereas Adam gave us sin and condemnation and guilt, Jesus gives us justification. Jesus gives us righteousness and eternal life. See, the Bible puts these two things in connection together, a sort of logical equation. You can't have one without the other. Uh, if you are an inheritor of Adam's guilt, the good news is that you can be an inheritor of Christ's salvation. Now, in doing this, the Bible is teaching that Jesus is establishing a new humanity. That's teased out in some other passages, like Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians 3, 6. Uh, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. 
uh, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Uh, now, after Christ has come, there is a, a new humanity walking amongst the rest of humanity, a redeemed humanity. All those who put their faith in Christ and receive this gift from him now are set apart into a new family tree, uh, one that, uh, uh, that makes them into heirs of all the promises of God, and one that is a forever family, a, f a family that will spend eternity with each other and with God in perfect fellowship. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, uh, the good news is that you can get in on this forever family, uh, no matter what your family background is like, whether you've had a father and mother that have loved you well or not, uh, whether you feel secure in your identity and your family bonds. Uh, the Bible tells us that our chief problem is that we are sinners. We are of this family of Adam, but that you can come and join the family of God through Jesus Christ. Uh, you do that by repenting of your sins, uh, by throwing yourself on the mercy of God and, and asking Jesus to forgive you. If you truly do this in your heart, if you cry out and with faith, Christ has all that you need to be saved now and forever. Every single one of your sins wiped away, paid for on the cross where he died. And the perfect record of righteousness that you need, given to you as a gift to wear by Jesus himself. Uh, you can do that today if you'll put your trust in Christ and turn from your sin and come join us in the family of God. Now, to all of us who are Christians, let's realize what a great joy it is to know the redemption at the familial level that we have in the church as Christians. Uh, there may be many, many hurts in our family background. I, that's the case for many of our church members. I know that's true. I don't want to minimize that for a second. That is real. It's lamentable. And yet, what we have lacking in our family trees of this earth, God has graciously given us back and more in the family of God. Uh, maybe you never had the father or mother that you wanted and needed. But you can have spiritual fathers and mothers in abundance. You can have older Christians that come alongside you and, and show you the way to follow Christ in a, a more mature way than you would know on your own. Uh, you can have the siblings you never had on this earth. You can have brothers and sisters People to share life with, the ups and the downs, to, to support and help, to pray, to encourage. You can have that in the family of God. Or maybe the hurt comes along the sides of desiring children, but being unable to have them. That's a hard, hard thing. And yet you can have spiritual children. You can have sons and daughters in the faith that go on to have sons and daughters of their own so that you could be a spiritual great-grandpappy or grandmammy by investing in the life of a younger Christian. See, brothers and sisters, there is meant to be a balm for our wounded hearts 
when we are wounded by our earthly families, by what we find in the family of God. Let, let me make that an encouragement to you to, to lean into your church family in your local church. Uh, where can you find those relationships? Uh, God intends for that to be found in your church. Make sure that you're present as you are able to be able to build those relationships. Uh, prioritize them. Spend time to build these sorts of multi-generational spiritual relationships. See the fruit that's born and draw encouragement in the family of God. And brothers and sisters, let's remember that God's given this to us for our benefit. He's also given it to us for our witness. Remember what Jesus told us, how the world would know about us? They would know us by our love. Uh, when the world sees Christians treating each other with grace and mercy and gentleness, uh, people that we don't have blood ties to, and yet we seem as close as family, they are learning something about the family of God. They are learning something about that forever family that we want them so desperately to join. You are witnessing in the way that you love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, brothers and sisters, uh, Jesus had a family tree, and he had it for a purpose, so he could redeem you and me, and he could welcome us into his family. Uh, that's good news, no matter how hard our earthly families might be, how present they might be, how painful they might be. Jesus redeems fallen humanity so that we can experience a forever family in the family of God. You may have heard of Pastor John Newton. Very famously wrote uh, Amazing Grace. Was once a slave trader and then a great abolitionist. Champion of the faith. A, a wonderful hero to look up to. Um, what you may not know is that he had very difficult earthly family relationships. Uh, he had a father that was very strict and a mere formalist religion type person that didn't really believe in by, by the heart. And even more tragically, his mother, though a very faithful woman, died when he was about seven years old. Uh, John Newton ended up having a very difficult course of life, and some of that undoubtedly was due to strained and difficult family relationships. But when he looks back, he traces back his spiritual lineage through the line of his mother. In the seven years that he was on this earth with her, uh, she realized that she wouldn't live for very long. Uh, she got what they called consumption back then. Uh, she wasn't going to live for much longer, dealt with fatigue and all sorts of horrible symptoms. So she realized that she wanted to do what she could to leave a spiritual legacy. Uh, she gave herself to teaching John both academics and most importantly, how to live as a follower of Jesus. Um, his own writing and preaching bears the marks of realizing what she was doing in those moments, that she was trying to leave him a spiritual inheritance long after she left this world. He writes, my dear mother, besides the reins she took with me, often commended me with many prayers and tears to God. And I doubt not, 
but I reap the fruits of these prayers to this hour. Uh, There was a long time where John Newton lived not as a Christian, but as a heathen. But one day when he turned back to Christ, he realized the treasure he had been given by his dear mother. Uh, Both his family of flesh and blood, but also as it turned out, his family of a more spiritual nature. Uh, As part uh, part of the family of God. She had given him the gift of knowing the gospel, an example of loving Christ. And he testified that when he came back to Christ, the treasures of wisdom she had given him seemed to have been in the background this whole time, and they came back to his mind in a beautifully sweet moment. Uh, Brothers and sisters, you may not know how God would have you to bear spiritual fruit, Uh, those shoots that come off of the branches in the family of God. And yet, what a joy it is to be grafted into this tree and to know that the Lord uses, uses people like you and I, fallen people from fallen families, to bear spiritual fruit in the the family of God and the new humanity of Christ Jesus. Let's pray.